peeps, welcome back to the Growth Lab podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harris, and I run the Growth Lab, a sales and business development consultancy for commercial cleaning businesses. In today's episode, I chat with Christy Davis-Sumpter, Managing Director of Zest Consultancy. Christy has over 30 years' experience in sales, working for a variety of brands and achieving an outstanding track record of leading sales teams all over the world. With her passion for sales and driving new business, Christy launched Zest Consultancy 11 years ago to help other SMB businesses grow. Zest Consultancy offers fresh thinking and measurable results to help B2B businesses transform their sales, build and develop sales teams to win more business and maximize client loyalty. In today's episode, we talk about one of the biggest stumbling blocks for SMB owners when it comes to sales, why you need to have a sales plan for your cleaning business, how to create a sales process for your cleaning business, why you need to have Teflon shoulders when it comes to sales, how automation plays a key role in generating sales for your cleaning business, different strategies to boost your approach to prospecting, and the importance of using sequences in your sales process. For more tips on sales and business development, as well as insights on the most successful strategies, tools, and tactics to help grow your commercial cleaning business, sign up for the Growth Lab newsletter via the link in the episode description. You ready? Let's dive in. Hey, Christy, how are you doing? Hi, Matt. <laughs> I am really excited to record this episode because it is talking about one subject which is massively important for any business, but which is often not liked very much. And you were saying not just by business owners, but, but sometimes by sales professionals as well. <laughs> we're going to be talking about sales and lead generation and sales processes and going to have a little bit of a deep dive into some of the things that you can be implementing within your cleaning business. But before we jump into that, um, Christy, do you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself? No problem. So I've been in sales more years than I'd like to share, probably about 30 maybe. And I started actually in the hotel industry. Uh, So for many years, I was working for national teams. Then I was responsible for an entire sales force. I then went into a global organization looking at sales strategy and planning. So not just about the customer, but about the sales process and the things that we were talking about earlier. And I then decided, I've always said I wanted to run my own business. It's always been a dream of mine. And an opportunity arose where I thought, right, now's the right time. So, yes, I decided to leave my job, relocate with a three-month-old baby and start my business. I can safely say it probably wasn't the smartest move I've ever made. (laughs) If I was ever giving any recommendations to your audience, I'd say maybe wait a little bit longer than three months when your baby's been born. But I've always been ambitious, so I decided to take that on. It's been running since, and we have We've evolved. We started, we've had a rebrand. We're just about to go through another website design, which is being launched very soon. And Zest is all about sales. So it's helping small business owners be able to sell more. And that's either through upskilling them through sales training programs, whether that's on-site or some of the open courses that we run. We also offer a service of sales director on demand so we go in and we support businesses. Sometimes it's businesses that don't even have a salesperson, but yeah. they want to get better at what they're doing and they want to improve their processes and they want that one-to-one experience. And they might be in a position where they then want to grow their business and expand. And instead of the owner being the salesperson, they want to take it that one step further 
and they want to bring in someone that can actually start doing the, the sales on their behalf. Other, other organisations that I work with where there is already a sales team there, but maybe they're not being um, as productive as they could be, or we sure. need to look at restructuring, we need to bring in new processes, just be more efficient and get them the sales team to be more accountable. So it really varies in terms of the service that people use with us. But we also run another program, which we're relaunching very shortly, which is called the Sales Den. And that is specifically for small business owners that are going to have access to on-demand training and uh, templates and live sessions with us and learn everything they need to do about growing their business. Okay, that sounds really good. For smaller businesses, when they approach you, what seems to be their biggest stumbling block? So sometimes it is actually mindset. And I'm very lucky because what I'm qualified in is what I sell. So that's obviously a plus point, isn't it? So I've got that skill set and I have that confidence to be able to go out and I'm happy to talk to anyone and, and do it. But if you are a cleaning company and what you're really good at is understanding how cleaning jobs work and and all your products and how long it takes to clean a hotel room or a or a or a bar or a restaurant, that's brilliant. But it might be that sales isn't your isn't something that you're particularly comfortable with. And that's where the challenge comes. And I think then it's easy as a small business owner to avoid the things you don't enjoy. And we call it sort of the magpie approach where you sort of see these new shiny things and you go and do those as opposed to avoiding and doing the things that really are going to make your business grow. So I think one of the challenges is around it isn't their skill set. And some of it is around mindset. People really struggle with no People don't want to be told no. And they think it's really personal as well. They think that they're saying no to you as an individual. They're not. You might have just spoken to them at the wrong time. They might be already in contract and they're just not interested. So I think that's the hard thing is that that sort of resilience that people are lacking. And I think if you're not sure what you're doing, you'll lack confidence. And if you lack confidence, you don't really want to do it. That's true. Because no one wants to make a fool of themselves. Some people make money out of doing that, but some people it's more of a duck's back. Yeah. They don't they'll just dive straight in. I, I know for me it was always a it was always a challenge when I started my cleaning business, making cold calls. I used to hate picking up the phone because I, I wasn't really aware of any other process at that time. So picking up the phone yeah. and and knowing already that it's gonna be a no, that kind of it affects your tone. It affects, I guess, the language that you use. It affects the approach that you take to the call. And I know I wasn't the only one who was faced with that challenge. What what sort of tips or what sort of direction do you give business owners yeah. that, that do have that as a sort of biggest stumbling block? So I think it's important to have a plan. If you just think, I need more customers then you're just going to go at it in a scattergun approach. Whereas if you actually put together a plan of, right, who is my target audience? I ask people this all the time in workshops that we run and say, okay, so who's your, who's your target audience? And Mm. what they will say is, oh, anyone could buy our service. (laughs) But that isn't the question. Anyone can buy your service, but who you actively want to spend time and money trying to win is your target audience. So it's understanding who who it is that you're trying to go after. Is it a particular industry sector? 
Is it a size? So if you're a cleaning business, it might be that you think that your niche is pubs or it's restaurants or it's leisure facilities or entertainment places. Or it might be that you're trying to get into the B&B or or hotel market. So once you know that, then you can start sort of building up an ideal target client list. And then you need to think about what's your proposition. So what are you going to, what are you, what service are you selling? What makes you stand out from someone else? And you need to have all of that stuff in your toolkit before you even think of sending an email, picking up the telephone. And I always say to every customer that we talk and work with is you've kind of got to have all those processes in place before you start. So you also have to think about, so if you do have a conversation with someone, they might say, okay, so send me some details. Or it might be that they're interested and you need to take them through the sales stages. But if you haven't documented what your sales stages are, Mm. like what happens next? And (laughs) and then it sort of falls down and then you get busy and then you forget to do it. And before you know it, that quite warm opportunity has gone cold because if you phone them back in two or three weeks time, they won't even remember your name. So it's about acting really quickly. So I think... If you have those things in place, it's you're gonna make make you feel much more confident about your approach. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of scripts. I'd like for me, scripts are an absolute no-no, but I do think what you can have is bullet points of things that you want to do, want to ask. Yeah. And also to the points that you want to get across, the questions that you want to ask those customers, what are you trying to find out? you have a list of qualifying questions. So you need to understand, are these customers a good fit? Just because you think they're a good fit, Mm. you know, anyone, it can be on your target list, but then you've got to refine it down to work out really whether it is someone that you're interested in doing business with. You don't want to spend half an hour trying to win a customer, even (laughs) getting them to the next stage. So then go, well, actually, they're not really a good fit. They're really price driven. And actually it's a price we're not willing to go we're not willing to go to. So I think you also have to learn how to say very politely, thank you, but no, thank you. That is, um, that's especially for, for cleaning business owners. When you start, you'll say yes to, to anything and everything. But there, there comes a point where, like you said, I think once you've identified your ideal clients and you've sort of honed in on a niche, you do need to get to a point where you, you do start saying no, because, you know, the the service or the the client that's being offered to you is just just doesn't fit in with with who you're going after and how your business eventually is going to get set up right to serve this particular client or these types of clients so no is is a hard word to say for sure but you mentioned sales process so talk me through like what what does what does a a sort of a robust sales process look like from from start to finish So start to finish. So a robust sales process for, I mean, obviously it's going to vary by customer because everyone will have different sales stages that they want to adopt, but it's, it's the journey you take the customer on throughout those touch points of each time you have a communication with a customer. So for example, if you reach out to a customer, have you got some follow-up information that you would send to them? So what you want to do is which I talk refer to it as a sales playbook so you kind of want to have a journey so we do this and then we do that 
And then yeah. we take them to this stage. And then once they have expressed an interest, we will then we might send them a quote or the, or when they've expressed an interest, we might meet them face to face. Or if you're someone that doesn't go out face to face, we might meet them online. But you're yeah. probably going to go need to do a, an estimate in terms of the the facility itself to see how long yeah. it's going to take to to clean. So that might be that. So then you might automate some processes that as soon as a meeting is scheduled, a email goes out to them just sort of confirming what's going to happen during that stage. Mm. And and then once you've had that meeting with them, you might have again some templated emails that go out saying, thank you for your time. Your quote will be with you shortly. You know, especially if you have a lot of opportunities like that coming along, you might not be able to get to every single one as quickly as you'd like. So having some some buffers in place to allow the client to stay in touch, but not to be able to turn the quote around instantly. And there are tools out there that can allow you to build quotes. And there's tools out there that can allow you to do all this automation that I'm talking about. You can set up workflows in a lot of the CRMs so that when you move someone from one sales stage to another, it will automatically trigger something. And you've yeah. already put something in place that will get sent to them that say, we're working on your quote, great to meet you. And it will be with you shortly. And then while that's happening, you're then building building the quote for them. But it, it's having those things in place. So it's having some email templates that are ready to go. It's having some, some, some proof of kind of we say we're good, but don't just believe us. Mm. Here's all this documentation. Here's some testimonials. Here's a case study. Here's a video of one of my clients talking about the experience that they've had. And I might use, you know, in the first email that I send, I'd probably only send one. And then I drip feed maybe one or mm. two throughout the yeah. sales process. And, and I try and mix it up from a testimonial to a case study to maybe a video. And I think you're going to get to know the client better to know which one will, will work better. But I also think it's about matching the client's size. So if you are dealing with a huge multinational organization in London and you're trying to win the local pub, yeah. Don't send them that case study because I think what they're instantly going to think before they even get a quote is you're going to be too expensive for me. <laughs> so if you've got a quote of another pub that you do, then well, not quote, sorry, case study, then send that. You sure. know, so match your clients so they can see examples of work that you've done in their sector, similar size organization. And and having that, so having that automation in place where you do those case studies, you have a te template already built to be able to send to the client. You might do a PowerPoint, but quite a lot of people now are doing a, a, a very small PowerPoint where it's just like our services, what you're going to get from us, what to expect, testimonial, yeah. here's the price. And having that all automated so all you're adding in is the is the actual price itself. I think just... I'm going to bookmark the automation because that is key to this whole process. But as you mentioned, you don't want to send a case study for a multinational when you're going to the local pub. I think that that comes back to knowing who your client is, having your sector identified and, and really tailoring your messaging towards that and having the right marketing assets for that particular client, right? And that how often have you come across like SMBs that that are that prepared or or do you need to start with them from from ground zero quite a lot have got <laughs> a little bit in place I'm trying okay. to be kind here no they have sure. they have got a, a little bit in place some are, are have got lots in place but maybe not using it in the right order 
So sometimes just trying to literally throw everything at the customer in the first uh, in the first point, and and that's the wrong that's the wrong approach. You want to keep that that momentum and that contact going. Whenever I'm going to a client meeting, if if they've come to me directly, I will have obviously looked them up on LinkedIn, and before we even meet, I will have sent them a LinkedIn request, for example, yeah. and then once we've met, I'll send a follow up email. And then yeah. and then those oh, those additional steps that will happen to keep that customer engaged. And sometimes I might send them a video. So I use different platforms and, and you can send a great video. I could do a video of me talking them through the quote because mm. sometimes you're relying on a third party selling your services to the decision maker. Yeah. So if that's the case... You want to try and get across the points of what you said was important to to yourselves as a company is X, Y, and Z. So I focused on that and you'll see that we're able to deliver X, Y, and Z. And yeah. here's the testimonials from other customers that are really happy. So maybe if you are a little bit more expensive, but you've gone to that extra effort and they can see that the services that you're offering are actually something you can deliver because you've got video evidence or case study evidence to show that you have happy customers, yeah. then that might help it win it. But I think video can work really well when you're trying to, when we talk about process, when you're trying to sell a, a quote in when yeah. you're not talking to the decision maker, because okay. then you they can forward it to the decision yeah. maker. Here's the quote and attached is the video. It's, yeah, it's, I'm talking like three to five minutes. Okay. So you're not doing a story. It's not a whole yeah. movie That's premiere. That's all that. <laughs> no, it's short and sweet. Yeah. Get across what you are as a business and why they would want to do business with you. And I guess it's a differentiator as well, right? Because how often are, are they going to get a quote with a video overview to consider? And yes, even, yeah. even if you're not successful in the quote, like you're going to stick in their mind, right? So when it comes to renewal Absolutely. or another opportunity comes up, then I'm pretty sure that you're going to stand out and you're going to be top of the list in terms of then getting getting in contact with you. So you Makes mentioned... You auto- exactly, exactly. You mentioned automation. You know, I'm a big fan of automation. Where do you find sort of SMBs? Like how... <laughs> How can I phrase this? Are they, do they generally tend to adopt automation or are they still working not so much pen and paper, but Excel spreadsheets? I think there are still some out there that are like their Excel spreadsheets and, and, and keep their entire database held in, in an Excel spreadsheet. But more and more people, there is free access to things like CRM systems. So where you hold your customer relationship management system, where you hold all your client data and all the interactions that you have with them. And you can even put your quotes in there and all the emails that, that, that happen to them. And there's so many free versions out there that people can start on. Once yeah. they start seeing the benefit and think, oh, I wish it could do this. And then they see that actually it can do that. You just need to then upgrade to a paid version. It's so competitive now in the CRM market that it's it's much easier to access financially than it ever was before. What I would say to to SME owners is I wouldn't I wouldn't venture into things like Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics because I think they're too big yeah. for the types of businesses. And so, but things like HubSpot, Pipedrive, Zoho, yeah. there are just a few of the pieces of software, the CRMs that are out there. 
and you can put all your email templates into them. You can manage all your communications, your to-do lists, everything within one hub, which for me is essential. I think we as small business owners have so many hats to wear. You've got to make your life easier. And and you want to make doing you want to make it easy for people to do business with you. So if you have that automation set up in the system, it will allow you to act big but be a small company, as if you've got multiple people in the business. But some of it's happening through automation because it's yeah. going to save you time. It's, it requires a bit of investment up front, not investment in terms of finances per se. Uh, I use HubSpot and it is, even the free version is super powerful. I mean, there's, it's got yeah. a lot of features there in terms of automation for your email marketing. So you mentioned sending emails before and after you've had a, yeah. a meeting booked or whatever the case may be. So your drip campaigns you can have through there. I've got a bunch of templates that I've uploaded and they, they provide some free templates as well. Segmenting your lists, like all that kind of stuff it is massively useful and i think that a bit of trepidation initially because it's like oh my god i need to i need to learn new stuff but ultimately like learning that new stuff is is what is going to enable you to to continue focusing on the things that are going to build your business right and i think that goes back to sort of mindset approaching approaching setting up these systems and the automation from the point of view of this is going to help me in the long run it's not going to be a quick fix right now but six, 12, 24 months down the line, like I'm going to have this fully automated or mostly automated system, which is going to allow me to focus on whatever it is you need to focus on, whether it's sales or the operations improving or continuing to grow. What in terms of did you do you find that automation and using tech is is easily adopted by the businesses that you speak to or are they still barriers and if so, why do you um, think those barriers exist? I think it's a little bit of fear of unknown in terms of the barriers. Do I think it's easily adopted? No, I think when I go and work with customers, it is very much having to sell it in because you don't know what you don't know. And so yeah. then someone's coming in and blowing your mind with what's available out there in terms of automation that you didn't even know existed. <laughs> and then it's a little bit of like tech overload, like, which ones do I take? And, and, and the end result is brilliant. But the reality is, like you said, you've got to take that time to invest in understanding how you want it to work for you, because you don't want to shoehorn your process into a CRM system, for example, you yeah. want it to the CRM system to work the way you want it to work. So that will come with a little bit of tweaking of all the settings and the fields that are in the system. And uh, that takes time. I mean, I'm lucky. I've been I've been using CRMs now for about 25 years. And yeah. I was recently on a webinar for a client talking about HubSpot. And uh, and it was really interesting because when I added it up, I think it was about sort of 15 CRM systems I've used in my lifetime. And so once you've used one, you can kind of work your way around the others in terms of going into the back end and looking at looking at the settings and things. So you can change it, but it does take a little bit of time if you're not experienced. But it's well worth the investment to yeah. have all of your data in one place. I always used to say to my sales team, I'm quite happy with you not using a CRM system. As long as you can tell me 
and name individually each of the prospects that you need to call and when you need to call them. And bearing in mind there was that list was pretty big. They all just sort of looked at me and said, well, there's absolutely no way we can possibly do that. And I said, well, if you can't remember it, how will you make that call at the right yeah. time to open the door to allow us to win that opportunity? So yeah. it's it's a great way of putting everything in one place and using it not only to warm up your audience through the email side of it, but then also using it from a sales perspective to do that prospecting, picking up that phone, sending those emails, sending a LinkedIn message, but being able to collate it all through one one system. So let's talk a little bit more about prospecting, because I know before we came on, we spoke about how, in particular with cleaning, a lot of clean businesses sort of rely on referrals and inbound marketing. Mm-hmm. And obviously tech is is great for that. But like, what what's your opinion on prospecting in, in general? Like, what what is the what's the approach that you tend to sort of educate your your SME? business owners in in terms of what they should do with prospecting so i think in terms of prospecting it's a blend because what you've got to remember is and the one thing i hear from all my clients is well i don't use linkedin you might not use linkedin Mm. if your customers do and they don't like the telephone or don't or have i think they say the average person has about 150 emails in their inbox a day so how are you going to stand out if you're number 150 and then you times that by every day they're getting 150 your email's going to get lost so it's ultimately having a blend and remembering that you are not your target audience potentially Mm. and if you want to to open up the opportunities to lots of different demographics then you need to understand that being on different platforms is going to help you so we use LinkedIn a lot not only do we post on LinkedIn, but we will do direct messages. I'm not a massive fan of in, in mails, if I'm honest, yeah. because most people don't use them very cleverly. So most okay. people want to send me an essay in my email. Yeah. <laughs> and I literally click on it. I roll my eyes and, and just go, Ugh. and I don't even look at it. I, the first thing I do is scroll to see how long it is. That's not going to work. Sorry, my earphones no. keep falling out. That's all right. So, so, so that's the first thing I will do. So I think people, you need to be really smart with your messaging if you're going to be using LinkedIn, especially in mails. But yeah. I use direct messaging on LinkedIn. So I will identify my target audience. I will connect with them. Don't always send a connection, connection message. Sometimes I will just connect with them. Or I might have liked some posts that I've seen of theirs then I will connect with them because they might have already seen my name. Then once I've connected with them, I don't, within 30 seconds of connecting with them, send them a spammy email, a a spammy direct message that then tells them all about my services and would they like to have an appointment with me? Because I wouldn't go to a networking event and go, hi, Matt, I'm Christy from Zest Consultancy. We do this. Would you like to buy my services? (laughs) So if you wouldn't do it, when you yeah. were networking, why is it okay? You're literally, I think there was years ago, there was a Barclays advert, and apologies if it's the wrong Barclay, wrong credit card company, but I think it was, where there's an advert where someone goes, meets at the bar, then they're going for dinner, they're talking about marriage, then they have children, then they get divorced, <laughs> yeah. and then the meal ends. That's what people are trying to do yeah. on LinkedIn when they send these spammy sales messages. So it's actually, some of it can be a longer game. So sure. if 
I connect with someone and they are my target audience, there's a little bell on the profile on LinkedIn on their on that person's profile and you can click it and it means that you'll get notified every time they post something. So then once you, once they posted something, you can then comment on it and you've got to come up with some, some decent comments, especially if it's it's a little bit out of your sector, you've got to come back with meaning. And then what I might do is send them a message to say, Oh, I really loved your post about Mm. such and such. What, what's your thought process on that? And I might go a little bit deeper or, you know, I might leave it a couple of weeks and then engage with and then engage with them. So I will engage with their posts, but then I might send them a message, but I won't do it straight away because I think it looks like it's been automated and I think you have to be careful. However, prospecting is a numbers game. So if actually you're after volume, then maybe that is okay. But for our business, we don't do it that way because that's actually we're not after a numbers game. Sure. The other thing that I would do is send people voice notes on LinkedIn. So you yeah, can do it on your mobile that. phone. I yeah. love it. Uh, but really? you can only do it on your mobile phone. Okay. And it's a really short message that you send. It's I think it's it's either 30 seconds or 60 seconds. Okay. And it's short and sweet. But it stands out in someone's inbox. So yeah, instead yeah. of those emails that I go, oh, when I see them, you would look at it because you're like, oh, because intrigue gets the better of you because you yeah. can't see what's in it. You've got to listen to it to know what that person's saying. So that works really well. And the other one is doing a video. So I go onto someone's LinkedIn page and I've got okay. a, an app that I use that then I'm in the bottom and I might be on their LinkedIn page or I might be on their website. And I say, oh, I see you do such and such. We work with a number of organizations and we've helped them increase their sales by X amount. Wondered if you'd be interested in finding out how we, you know, how we did that. And it'll be short and sweet. You can do it where you're literally just you on the video as opposed to having anything in the background. And again, it's no more than minute, two minutes. And you send that. And the great thing about that is there are some tools that can track that. So you can see if someone's opened it. Okay. And again, it All stands right. out in the inbox. Looks, yeah, it looks a sure. bit different. But lots of people are scared. They're scared of, oh my gosh, what if I look stupid? What if I say the wrong thing? Well, the beauty about recording it is if you, if you stumble your words, you just re-record it again. And if, and if confidence or worrying about how you look or how you sound, you don't like your voice, you don't like seeing yourself on video, you're going to end up being your own assassin of your business because you're letting that be a barrier to you trying to do something different. And lots of salespeople are adopting these approaches. And if you take and procrastinate and take forever to do it, by the time you do it, everyone will have moved on to something. For sure. So it's sort of being brave. Just seize the moment, saying, just go for it. Just do it and, and, and develop. When I worked in the corporate world, we used to use the reference of about te- people having Teflon shoulders. You kind of do have to have Teflon shoulders and like nothing sticks and you, yeah. just, you just have to brush it off. If someone says no, not today, thank you. It's not about you. It's just they don't need your services right now. And then move on and then, and then do the next call, send the next email, send the next direct message. But yeah. don't let it stop you in your tracks. You've got a target. Set yourself your target and, and just go for it. Don't put barriers think, in your way. For sure. And even even if it is the no, going back to mindset at the start of this chat, you've already you've already contacted them once. So maybe right now it's not right. You use your CRM, you log, you log a follow-up in three or six months' time. You've got a point of reference then to go back to yeah. and say, look, I got in contact 
last time, I know it wasn't quite the right time. Like, are you open for a chat now? Is now a better time? And if it, again, Perfect. if it's a no, then you go through the same process again. And that's how eventually you, you do get the opportunity, but also you're gradually building up your, your list of, your list of contacts, right? Do you use do you use sequences? Do you have do you have like your LinkedIn outreach mapped out the same as you would with your email sort of drip campaign? So sequences can be really good, and and I mean you mentioned that you use HubSpot, and so yeah. HubSpot, for example, can do sequences. I think you have to be careful with sequences around. I do, when I'm doing like for example a video message, I wouldn't do a generic video message. I would do a high. I want to talk to you at the growth lab about how we can help you. So I would make it very personal rather than generic. But when you do sequences, you can just allow for that video to be made as a personal one and the other stuff can have automatically and, and can be in place. But a sales books, a sales playbook is all about sequences. It's about when you're going to do stuff at what stage and what information goes into that stage, what tools are you going to need to be able to do it? But it plays a massive part. If you just try and wing it, you're going to end up <laughs> stopping and starting with your prospecting because then you're like, oh, now I've got to write an email. Oh, now I've yeah. got to build this. Or now I've got to do a case. I haven't even got that case study. I said I'm going to send a case study. I don't even have one. So yeah. if you do that prep and have things ready, as soon as you start prospecting, you just then keep the momentum going. And I always encourage people, try and do a little bit of prospecting every day because you you get momentum going. And the more yeah. you do it, the easier you'll feel it will be. If you save it up to be a job that you do once a month, when yeah. that day is on its, its, its fast approaching, you'll just be dreading it. Because if it's not something you enjoy doing – you will put it off and put it off and there'll always be something way more exciting than doing the prospecting. But it is, yeah. it's essential for any business. If you are prospecting, it doesn't matter how busy you get, yeah. you continue when a contract's going to drop out. And you've always got to have people warmed up and lined up, ready to fill that place. Build that pipeline. Well, I was reading Absolutely. Sales, New Sales Simplified, a book which says, break it into, into thirds. Spend a third of your time focusing on building your list and getting new contacts a third of your time retouching the people who you've already reached out to once and a third of your time on the the hot leads where they there's a good chance that they'll develop into an opportunity and if you allocate 45 minutes 60 minutes an hour and a half if you've got it a day to kind of focusing on on doing that like you say you build up momentum and before you're going to have a big old lead list for one but which is just potential opportunities for you to for you to win new business. Do, do you use, do you recommend? You mentioned emails and people having 150 emails in their inbox, and um, we use cold email a lot. Do, is that is that an approach that you recommend or have? I think seen it's a blend of everything. Sense? I think I think you need to be doing a bit of everything. You need to be doing the emails. You need to be doing the calling, and you also need to be doing your activity on LinkedIn. And when yeah. I say activity on LinkedIn, it isn't just liking other people's posts. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. count as, as LinkedIn activity. It's not going to help you when it comes to grow your business. And so for me, I think absolutely email still plays a valid part 
in in what you're doing because not everyone is on LinkedIn, not everyone is on Facebook, not everyone mm. likes to take calls. I always joke, you know, I've got a 12 year old son, and when I call him, he looks at the phone. I can imagine him looking at the phone, and then he always <laughs> says to him, "Why are you calling me?" And because that's not his preferred yeah. preference, he wants a WhatsApp, a Snapchat, or a yeah, Discord, yeah. or whatever. He yeah. doesn't want me to use the phone as a phone. So as we get older and our target audience gets younger, we have to factor some of that in. That not everyone likes to be contacted through the telephone or through LinkedIn. That's finding that platform, understanding your target audience. That's right. And we've spoken a lot, obviously, I think pretty much all apart from the references now has been focusing on, on the digital aspect of selling, right? Which is which has evolved quite a bit from when I was picking up the phone and, and making a bunch of cold calls and having to rely <laughs> on, on networking. And I think it's, it's back to mindset, like a, a, understanding the fact that the sales process, the sales approach does move on. Like it, it's okay to, to use these online tools to grow your business because that's that's ultimately where it's all going it's all going to be ai focused and before we know it we won't even have to say anything because ai is just going to take care of it right absolutely i mean we won't even be here i mean it's not really me it's just a robot that's just chatting away (laughs) Um, but that is that is the reality that it is the world has changed from a sales perspective it isn't the same as it was pre-covid and you have to evolve and see it as a friend rather than as an enemy And I think just overcoming the barriers in your head of, gosh, I don't get it and I don't understand it. But actually, it can really, if you embrace it, it can really help your business grow with without exception, as long as you as long as you embrace it. So you mentioned, and and this is part of the embracing the tech side of things, you mentioned obviously having online resources available in terms of helping people with developing a sales process and also sales in general talk to me a little bit more about sales den which you're which you've launched and i guess you're relaunching right so we, we've been pre-covid we were running it in person and yeah. during covid we went just online on zoom but we are relaunching it to become an on-demand program so okay. it's aimed at, at small business owners who are really good at what they do, but really struggle with their sales skills. And it could be confidence, it could be understanding the processes, just getting everything right so that they have a really healthy, pipe, consistent pipeline and look after their customers because we work really hard to win our customers, but we need to make sure that we look after them through account management and everything else that we do. So, so the idea is that people will sign up and on a monthly basis, new content will become available to them on demand, videos of how-tos and updates on things that are available to them, templates of how to do things. And then we'll also be sharing, we'll also be doing live sessions during the month as well that people will have access to. So nice. they'll be in person online as well as the on-demand. So watch it whenever, wherever. Awesome. And is there, I'll include a, a link to the sign up in the episode description. When are, you, when are you looking to have that relaunch? Is that is that shortly? We're, we're hoping it's going to be May. So we have, a, we have a sign up form for anyone that's interested so that they can be notified when the launch is 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 going to, going ahead so Perfect. there's a 
there's a landing page it will take you to, which tells you a little bit more about the information and what you're going to get as a business owner. And then we'll just notify you when it's live and we can then have a conversation. Awesome. Well, look, Christy, we have been going for just over 40 minutes. So I appreciate the time. I'm going to ask you a couple of quick fire questions before we wrap up. Okay. Uh, so hopefully you're prepared. Now, what do you believe are the three non-negotiable skills that are essential to growing a business? Okay, so if we're talking soft skills, I think it is mindset. Mindset plays a massive part. You've got to have that sales mindset. You've got to, to think about the business growth and the activities that you're going to need to do to, to be able to grow that business. It isn't just going to happen organic some of it might happen organically but maybe not to the extent that you would like you don't want to be the best kept secret the second one without a doubt has got to be resilient you've got to be resilient you've got to be able to take the knocks and it isn't personal but I do remember when I first started my business where someone said no I was like and (laughs) it really hurt it really hurt it was like they stabbed me but the reality (laughs) is it just wasn't right at the time and you have to be resilient and be able to deal with that and deal with the no's and then the final one I say is the confidence. So you've got to have the, the confidence and believe in yourself. And the more you practice, the better you will get. But it's that sales confidence that's going to take you through to closing more deals. Nice. And winning those sales. Mindset is, underpins all of that, right? It's so crucial. And what's the one bit of advice that you give a younger version of yourself before just starting out your business oh so younger version of myself would be try and do if you're thinking about setting up your own business and you're already employed at the moment I would say set everything up Hmm. before you leave your paid job because I think it's easy to underestimate how much you have to set up and how much time it takes and all of that time it takes to do that is stopping you then the business moving forward you literally land and then you're able to expand the business through doing all your prospecting because you've got everything in place. I think you'll get a return on investment quicker by having everything set up whilst you're still being paid by someone else. Because there's nothing nice. worse than having that big long gap of you don't know when the next, the next yeah. paycheck's coming from. It's not ideal. And it's I think ideal. I'd also try and outsource as much as you can, as quickly as you can, where it isn't yours and I know it's it's not that easy because you need the funds to do it but there's so many sources out there where you can get short-term contracts or people just doing a tiny piece of work for you but where yeah. you can and it's not your skill set don't spend hours on it when someone could take an hour yeah. and you could just pay them to do it for you so as quickly as you can outsource some of the things that you don't need to be doing perfect and where where is the best place for people to connect with you online? So to connect with me online is LinkedIn. <laughs> yes, we are on other platforms. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We have yeah. a LinkedIn company page. So Zest Zest Consultancy Limited is 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 has a company page as well. But LinkedIn is you can find me Christy Davis Sumter um, and connect with me. Perfect. We post lots and lots of stuff on LinkedIn, so they'll be able to see lots of useful tips. I can attest to that. I had a little snoop around before we we, we recorded <laughs> this episode. So definitely. But look, Christy, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. I know there's quite a few nuggets in this episode. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and I'll speak to you soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
Thanks to Christy for joining us on the Growth Lab podcast and thanks to you guys for listening. You can access the show notes and resources via the link in the episode description. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with others who you think will find it useful across social media or leave a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at I am underscore Matt Harris to catch all the latest from the Growth Lab and how to generate more contract opportunities for your cleaning business. See you next time. And remember, if your cleaning business isn't growing, it's dying.